So this morning we are going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about giving. Um, this is something that you know, God just really has a sense of humor just kind of internally for me. Um, as I felt like he had called me to, to talk about this uh, several weeks ago last year. And uh, just some of the stuff God's put me through this last week, I won't share with you, but man, what a, what a fun week um, it has been as I've just been preparing in my heart uh, to share with you. And so um, I'm not going to preach about getting rich. That would be foolish because um, most of you slept in, uh, indoors last night and uh, you, you have grounded hope for having food for lunch today, which would make you richer than a lot of people. And so um, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about what we do with the money we um, manage that God has, has placed in this place. And so I want to share with you just a little bit about the giving uh, in our church. And so some of you who are nerds might really love this. Um, I've shared this with some people and they're like, and I'm going to go to sleep. So um, please don't, don't go to sleep. I have like graphics and pictures and everything. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you when to tune back in if this really, really bores you. Um, not something we do regularly. We uh, just want to tell you an update on where we're at with uh, particularly some special giving here at the church. Um, you know, we, uh, we're not talking about money today because like things are strapped or something like that. Not that it's wrong to talk about it when um, perhaps the, the giving at church needs to rise a little bit. But uh, we want to talk to you even when, even when it's going well. And uh, one special um, thing that we've been doing is uh, something we call the 2020 offering. About 19 months ago, we put out before you some particular areas we have some goals in, past, present, and future. Past being some of the debt that the church has that's all related to uh, having this, this new building. Uh, the present, some things we feel like God's calling us to do, some missions to support around the world and locally. And then the future. Um, talking about being ready for what's next, not again going into debt for um, what we feel like the Lord needs us uh, or is is wanting to provide for us in in facilities, things like that for the future. So, um, just to share with you a little bit, there's a a, a little uh, uh, bar graph here, um, and it's it's kind of small, but that first really tall, uh, scary number is where we were at December 31st. 2015, over $700,000 in debt as a church. Um, that's a lot of money to be in debt, um, if you didn't know. Um, it, it surely is. Well, since then, that number has decreased by 41% um, over the last several years. Um, we, are, we now still have no small number as well, uh, December 31st, $421,000, but 41% less debt. Actually, in the last 19 months, as we've given towards this thing called 2020 giving, we've paid off $118,000 in debt. Um, a quarter of that just being kind of normal payments, which have become more effective as we've gotten further, more is going towards the principal. But a quarter of that, some of you just give directly towards the debt. You're like, I hate debt. Let's get rid of that. Um, and then a little more than half has been through the 2020 giving. So that's, to me, and maybe to some of you nerds, like that's really exciting because we don't we spend about thirty four hundred dollars a month on a mortgage payment what could we do to show love in this community with that money I, I i 
just get excited about the possibilities of, of being debt-free there. So that's something about the past through this 2020 giving. Um, this is a special giving you can give online to this fund. You can give using one of the envelopes near the door. Please don't just put an empty envelope in the offering basket, um, but uh, you can give specifically to that. But at present, we're able to support missionaries. We've sent over $12,000 to six different uh, missions organizations locally and globally, um, been able to do some things with Impacto, uh, 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 ministry in Guatemala. We had a mission strip team go there in the last couple of years, and uh, they do some powerful stuff with feeding the hungry um, and preaching the gospel. And so that's been really exciting. Child Evangelism Fellowship you heard about last week, um, and so we're just excited to support what they do. Um, Haiti Foundation Against Poverty, poorest country in our hemisphere, and uh, just meeting basic needs of people. His House Christian Fellowship, anybody okay with that? Um, yeah, some of you like, yeah, yeah, um, we're there. Um, here at Lake State and uh, around the globe, CareNet Pregnancy Center, um, just a, a wonderful thing. We're going to hear from Noelle uh, Rupert, I forget what her title is there at, uh, at the CareNet home. We'll hear from her in, in about three weeks as she comes. And then Global Partners is the Wesleyan Church's missions sending organization. We support a family um, uh, named the Miralats in the country of Thailand, and uh, we're just really excited. So above and beyond what we've given, and that number has even grown. When I uh, started as your pastor in 2016, about 1% of what you put in the offering plate was going uh, towards organizations like this. That's quadrupled. Um, every year we've crept that number higher. We feel like God's leading us that way. And so 4% right now of what you give in the plate goes towards those things. And I just want you to know, we want to be a generous church in everything we do. Even the coffee that we buy, this isn't like a missions, um, like we don't consider that part of missions, but it goes to support church planting in the country of Guatemala. It goes to farmers and pays a fair wage. It is a lot of money we pay for that coffee, not just because it's good, I'm told. I don't, I don't like the stuff, but uh, um, it, is, it is really making a difference, and we want to be generous in that way. On top of that $12,000, on top of the general giving, which is several thousand dollars as well, um, some of you participated, and we gave to uh, something like... Oh, what was it, like 60, well, it wasn't 60 different charities, but uh, all different charities in our area. Some of you did Community Service 101. Anybody do that? Um, that's an exciting thing. We gave just $100, $101 checks to all of these organizations, several of them in multiples. And so presently, some just exciting stuff we're doing together, as well as we've banked $40,000 in savings for future building addition improvement sort of needs, so that when those needs we know that are coming, and even some are presently there, we don't have to borrow money. And this is awesome. This is happening because people who give as a habit, faithfully, sacrificially, um, it's, it's happened. So I, I've been told, I don't know what individual givers uh, at all give in the church, but uh, $73,000 has come in just from around two dozen folks giving faithfully to that since June of 2018. Some just a little bit at a time. On top of that, um, we've given over $50,000 in our general funds because our giving has been healthy towards these same things. And so I, 
we want to be faithful stewards. As we look in the scripture, it's careful um, how, the, how the distribution of this money goes all throughout the New Testament and Old Testament as well. Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that it would be administered faithfully, and we seek to do that in the eyes of, of God and of man. And so I'm excited for, for some of those things. I'm really excited for the future. Um, but that's some of, uh, just a picture, again, we don't spend a bunch of time on, on stuff like this, particularly the numbers are always outside of the office doors. They're usually about a month behind as the board reviews the, the things that have happened. So through December is up there right now. Shortly after we have our February meeting, January's numbers will be up there. We want to be open um, with, with God's money about uh, you know just being clear and transparent about, uh, about the reporting of it. So all those people who are bored with numbers, wake up. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. You know, some pastors apologize uh, about how frequently they talk about money. I would like to apologize for the frequency on which I talk about this. I do not talk about this enough. It's true. I, I, do you realize the significance of generosity in the struggle to become more like Christ. It's, it's not, oh, we got to once in a while shake their pockets so the church can have more money. That's gross. I have a $20 watch, not a Rolex. This is not coming. Um, I don't want to make it about me, but listen, it, it has been poorly done, and oh, we got to shake their pockets once in a while. This is about your personal spiritual growth. If you want to grow, you have to become generous. If you're growing, you will become more generous. I don't care if you give here or not. Give somewhere, and then you will see that it will transform you from maybe the outside in, the inside out. Generosity is not just something that God, like, he needs us to do this. It's a practice that releases us from the bondage to self, the bondage to things. The starting point for giving is not the needs of the church. Let me say that again. Just like the starting point for generosity is not the needs of the church. The starting point for generosity is the grace of God. His grace leads us to gratitude, which leads us to giving. One of the characteristics of God's children is generosity because one of the characteristics of God is generosity. I know I told you to turn to Luke, but in 2 Corinthians uh, or 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. This is something God demonstrates for us by showing his grace to us through Jesus Christ. Because the, the old self in us is possessive. It, it, this possessiveness it manifests itself in stinginess, miserliness, greed. It, it, it manifests itself in our relationships with people, with jealousy. It makes jealous husbands. It makes jealous wives. It makes jealous friends. Left to itself, our ego is persistent in acquiring, keeping, 
Sharing is not like a, a word that starts in the old nature, in the old self. Mine is our old nature's favorite adjective. Acquiring or keeping is, is our favorite verb. So I want to look at three of the times. So in the New Testament, the word tithe, which means tenth. So it's kind of, you know, some of those videos, like that guy's like, that's a tithe. When I, you know, when I buy donuts, that's a tithe. That's a total misnomer for saying that's 10%. Tithe means tenth. Three out of the four times that, that tithe, this word is said in the New Testament, is in red letters, Jesus says it. And so we're going to look at this. But what we find from Jesus about giving is not so much a question about what the hand is doing in giving. It's about what the heart is thinking while the hand's doing. I guess your heart doesn't think, but your heart is feeling. God cares about what's going on here, not how many zeros are on the check out there. Check the uh, story of the widow putting her, her mite, her, her copper penny, and Jesus calling out that she gave more than anybody else. Jesus cares about what's going on in the heart, not just what's out there in the hand. John Stott says, because I know some of you give, and that, this, is, this is great. I, I thought I was going to get up here today. Again, I hate in, t sharing you some of the internal dialogue because it's not about me. But I thought I was going to get up here today um, several weeks ago when I felt like the Lord laid on my heart. And, and not to, to preach from my high horse about giving, but I actually thought I would at least say, this is okay, this is one of those sermons God's not going to have to work on me in first. Every time Jesus talks about tithing, he's talking to religious people, and I are one of those as a pastor. And so it bothers me a little bit what he says. It bothers me when I, when I just, yeah, it's been bothering me. John Stott says when we give, there are three possibilities. Either we're seeking the praise of man, that's one. Or we might be preserving our anonymity, keeping it confidential, but quietly we congratulate ourselves. There is some, it was, Marv said it a few weeks ago, there is no, there's no pride like spiritual pride. And the third is we, we give because we desire the approval of our divine Father alone. That's where we want to get, friends. We give because we want to please our God. We want to reflect him. So in Luke chapter 18, maybe not, you think like, oh, that, this, oh yeah, the tithing. You're like, this is Malachi. No, this is, Malachi. this is Luke chapter 18. So in verse 9, we read, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. That's, a first century problem, not a 21st century problem. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, head nod to the right. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not 
even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So which one's justified? Which one leaves the worship time justified before God? Justified me, like just just as if he'd never sinned. Which one went away clean? It's not the guy who was prideful, even though he could list that he tithed. It's the one who humbles himself and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It seems like there's going to be people who tithed in hell. They gave 10% of their money to God, to the, to the church. But 100% of what they had didn't belong to him. And, and people who do comparisons, comparisons are very dangerous. I thank you that I'm not like other people. And a lot of that, with money we can do that, right? Well, at least I don't drive as new of a car as them. At least my boat isn't as nice as theirs. At least I don't have as many jet skis as they do. At least I don't have as many cabins as they do. At least I don't, you know, they waste their money on, on travel. They waste their money on food. Can you believe it? We compare ourselves to others, and it's a very dangerous thing. The only time in giving that it seems like um, Paul talks about this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 is to assess ourselves by the good example set by others in giving. There's hard issues going on here, friends. And when we justify ourselves, not by um, what the Holy Spirit says about us, but what, how we rationalize and compare ourselves to others, we're in dangerous territory. God looks at the heart. In fact, if you look in the book of Acts, one of the first things, first sins reported in the churches around money is these people named Ananias and Sapphira who had sold some property and were told that this was kind of something that people were doing. They were selling their goods and giving all the money so it could be distributed in the church to those who were in need. And Ananias and Sapphira sell some property and they come and bring the money like they, they brought it all. And they didn't bring it all. They wanted to be lumped in with others who were setting a good example to share with those in need. And they lied to the Holy Spirit and they were struck down. Well, Ananias was struck down dead. Then Sapphira comes in. She's struck down dead and the youth group went and buried him. First youth activity mentioned in the Bible. What a youth program. We bury the people who lie to God. Whew. Friends, I, if, if, if you came here and you're not a believer... You're not in the sights today. You're not getting shot by this rifle. <laughs> but to people confident of your own righteousness, looking down on everyone else, hear this from Jesus. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The other two times Jesus mentioned in the, in the New Testament that we see the word tithe mentioned uh, it's actually somewhat the same incident reported in two different Gospels. 
In Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 37, again speaking around some religious people, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and then you'll be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Herb gardens? Dill, cumin, like. But you ignore justice and love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Matthew adds the more important aspects of the law, justice, faith, and mercy in Matthew 23, 23, as he tells this same story. Tells these same woes to the Pharisees. He's speaking to religious people and he says, you give 10% even from your herb garden. I mean, any of you keep those in the window, right? Like those little pots and and God's people were called to give first fruits. And they would do that, like, oh, every tenth leaf we give this as an offering to God. Painstakingly small work. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, you're straining out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You're trying, that's kind of an interesting thing if you look there in Matthew 23, 24. You get the tiny stuff but you miss the big picture. Also don't miss it. Jesus didn't wash his hands before a meal. So guys, if your wife harps on you about, did you wash your hands? Just be like, I'm just like Jesus. Um, He didn't wash his hands here. But Jesus is speaking to people whose absolute established pattern was tithing. Absolutely. But the Pharisees were forgetting about justice, acts of mercy, Some of us let ourselves off the hook because we give 10%. And it's really no problem for us to live on nine-tenths of our income. Now, the New Testament doesn't lay down again the principle of the tithe, but it doesn't abolish it. It doesn't set it aside. In fact, if you were to look at how all these Old Testament things are brought into the New Testament, Jesus always umps the ante. So you heard it said, don't murder. I'm going to tell you, if those people who who's call your brother Raka or fool, you're guilty of murder. Adultery, no sex outside of marriage. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, you've heard that. But I'm going to talk to you about lust. That the transformation that, that I'm bringing you, the grace that has been bestowed upon you, should lead to such a, a, a different sort of life that it's not about what's the bare minimum. It's about how close to God I can get. So many people are thinking like, how close to sin can I get without being burned rather than how close to God can I get? It's like, well, I I, I need to justify whether I should go to that party or not versus like, is that even anywhere a part of getting me close to God? 
so it's, it's not unreasonable as you look at the scripture about tithing to, to suppose that the giving of God's people would be more than or at least equal to 10%. But it's not 10% of our income that's messed up, it's 100%. I saw an article in the last week that four out of 10 Americans would need to borrow $1,000 for an emergency. Now, if you're a kid in here this morning, you're like, 1000 bucks? That's, that's a lot of money. If you're an adult, it really shouldn't be. That's just, that's just how it is. Some of you, your bank accounts is about as thin as the ice was at the I-500 yesterday. I mean, it's just, just a little, you put a little grind on that and you're going to be in the dirt. There's just, there's not much there. And we, we spend, that's, that's our plan with, with what God's given us financially, is to just live and to repay debt, pay taxes, spend. I'm going to show you um, where, where many of us live, one and two. These are, these are our categories. So we live, and then if there's anything left over, we give. God gets leftovers. We're taught throughout the scripture to give God the first. It started with giving the firstborn of every, every, every animal. I mean, this is God gets the first. There is only one number one. And it's interesting when the scripture talks about tithing, it says bring your tithe. Not give, but bring. And maybe it's just a small wording difference. But it's already God's. So it's not really giving. It's bringing what's already his. Just playing with words there a little bit. But many of us live this way. Number one is we live. We've got to spend on stuff. But some of us then get really smart and we add a, a middle one here. We say, I should save, right? So I, we go live, save, give. And we feel really smart about this. But you know, even there, um, saving can become an idol. I was talking to a, a dear friend this week who, uh, not, not a rags to riches story, but somewhat close. God has blessed him so much He's now giving what used to be his whole income for a year. That's what he gives. And he gets to live on, just, it's just powerful. And he says, you know, Brooks, what's happened is now saving for retirement has become an idol in my life. And trusting myself for my future more than God. But uh, I heard I had kind of this list, and I was talking to this dear, um, dear brother in Christ. He says, you know what God wants to do? Is he wants to flip the script. He wants to flip the script so giving would be first. That we give our first fruits to God. The question is not like, well, how much can I live on? It's how much can I give on? It's, it's, it's a shift that enables us to become missionaries without crossing the sea, evangelists who never have to stand up at a platform, broadcasters who never have to enter a studio, Bible teachers who never have to write a book, but most of all, it's a change in our life. From giving grudgingly because we have to, or giving dutifully because I, I, you know, I, I, I need to, but the switch to say, I, I give thankfully, 
as I want to. There's a quote from Bob Goff. I don't know where it is in my notes. I think it's on the screen. I've spent my whole life avoiding the experiences Jesus said he would use to help me grow. If you want to grow, I think some of you need to learn to give. Not downsizing, but right-sizing. Not avoiding the experiences Jesus said he would use to help us grow. But most importantly, not neglecting the most important aspects of the law of God. Justice, mercy, and faith. So I, I don't know what this will look like for you. Some of you, um, you need to sell some of the stuff you have because it has you. You need a smaller house, fewer cars, less toys, and dare I say it, maybe less guns. And if you're carrying one, please don't shoot me for saying that. But the lifestyle you're living is killing you. Financially, it's killing some of you. But maybe it's not financially, but it's killing you. Some of you need to begin giving again. You're like, I've fallen behind in giving. Let me share some good news. God is not like the gas company. There's not a reconnection charge or late fees on top of what you already owe. Those of you who have fallen behind, just start giving. Ask for forgiveness and start What kind of child do you want to be? A child of, of God who, you know, one of the sweetest things, uh, yeah, this might sound like a brag. Um, one of those things that has been one of those sweet moments for Jill and I as parents is when our kids share. When they go through their Halloween candy and say, I know dad loves Reese's. And they come and they say, Dad, would you like a Reese's? And I say, of course. Chocolate, peanut butter, it's just wonderful. You know, one of the saddest times as a parent is when you have to say, share some of your candy with your cousin. Right? And, and it's, like, or, or share, like, some of your French fries with your sister. Like, I bought all the French fries. I could cover you in French fries. I could literally fill this car with French fries. Not to brag on my money, but I could, right? Like, they're not that expensive. But when my child won't give, it just, you know, as a father, it breaks my heart. What kind of child are you? child who shares because you know it all belongs to God and that everybody you see is, is somebody who has been made in the image of God or is somebody who says, mine. Hope you've enjoyed this rambling this morning. More than that, I hope the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Let's pray together and ask God to send us out transformed, to be generous like he is, to be humble in our approach to him 
So let's pray. God, thank you that you look at the heart, not the hand. You look in proportion to what we have, not in proportion to what we don't have. Father, would we be found faithful with the tiny little trinkets of this world so that you can say this person could be trusted with eternal things? God, you have given to us so much, that means we should be giving to others. That's just how it works. And so, Father, thank you for what you have been teaching me this past week. That when someday I come to my deathbed, there is not going to be a thought to what is in the bank. There's only going to be a thought about those who I've been able to love. There's only my relationship with you. We came into this world with nothing, and we will leave with nothing. And the stuff we manage in between, may it show that we understand what's next and we value what is next. Father, what will be super clear to us one minute after we die, I pray that you would impart some of that truth and clarity to us now. May we live different, not just with 10% of our money, but with 100%. It all belongs to you. Help us to grow in our trust of you as we give and get transformed to be more like Jesus. And so we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.